I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Train Happy Podcast with me, Tally Rye. This is the podcast that helps you have a feel-good relationship with fitness, food, and your body. And this week we're going to do a bit of a different episode. I'm recording this in the comfort of my own home. I'm in my living room, I'm on my sofa. And I thought it would be a chance to just have a nice chat with you, answer some of your questions, some really interesting questions have been sent in, and just generally have a bit of a catch up. So I'm not going to do Train Happy Trooper of the Week this week. We'll save that for when we're back in the studio. But I wanted to share that I suppose a train happy moment that I've had is that I just went to see Lizzo last night and oh my goodness I mean I'm sure you all listen to Lizzo's music and she just creates some real bangers but wow it's so I've just been left feeling so uplifted by just being in her presence and what her show is all about it's like the biggest safe space for people of all shapes and sizes and you just feel so seen and represented and she is just such a light I think you know I think she said it was the last couple of dates of her tour this week but if you ever get to see Lizzo live you must go because you've got Lizzo there just being the incredible woman she is but then you've also got all of her dancers and all of her dancers are big girls they're called the big girls And you may have seen her show, Watch Out for the Big Girls, on Amazon Prime. If you haven't, you've got to see it. But basically, she is specifically celebrating curvy and plus-size dancers. And just to see them absolutely killing it, and to see Lizzo killing it, and to just feel that that feels so normal, is so powerful. So incredible. So... I don't know I just I think a lot of the questions today are around people who feel like they've gained weight or their bodies are different and people are giving them so much kind of various different levels of feedback around that and I think it's just being in a space like I was last night just seeing people up there like in all shapes and sizes dancing their asses off just loving life feeling so positive and uplifted and You know, I think that is just a sight and a memory, like a core memory that I will always have that when we so often think about what certain bodies can do, we don't think certain bodies can perform in a, the tour of one of the top artists in the country. Like we do not think that, well, top artists in the world, we don't think that they can do like a full live show. And yeah, there they were absolutely killing it, absolutely giving it. Oh, it was just so good to see. So I just want to start on that note and I want to just kind of get across to you how encouraging it was because, you know, we should we should see those sorts of bodies. And, you know, I was sat next to two little girls and their mum 
And I just thought, wow, how would things have been different if I saw this when I was little? Like, how would it have been different if we just saw these bodies being normalized and celebrated and doing all the things that we we were told that they couldn't do? How amazing would that be? And there's a new generation growing up with that. And I think that's so, to use, to use Lizzo's word, special. Her whole tour's the special tour. And yeah, it was so special. It was so special. Okay, so like I said, I want to answer some of your questions. I asked people to send some in and I thought we would just get straight into it. So the first question is from Sina in Switzerland. So shout out Sina in Switzerland. Do you know what? Interestingly enough, this is such a side note, but I have worked with several people in Switzerland and we've had a few um, train happy moments and things from people in Switzerland. So shout out to the Switzerland listeners and supporters because who knew? Who knew? We're reaching... Yeah, we're reaching you. I love that. Okay. Sina says, hi, Train Happy Podcast. I wanted to ask how you deal with health-related concerns from your well-meaning family. I needed to move back home recently, and my mum has mentioned that she's worried that my weight will impact my health in the long run. Her main concern is that due to me not being skinny, my joints will suffer as I get older. I have made such progress with trusting my body when eating and exercising in the last two years, but this has really set me back. I'm still enjoying movement, but now I'm reducing my food intake, which leads me to thinking about food more and sneaking in snacks more frequently. I would love to hear your take on this. Sina, I just want to send you firstly, a ton of compassion. I mean, I just think as a grown adults, like it's so hard to live at home. Personally, I couldn't do it. Love my mom, love my family. I couldn't go back there. And so, you know, I appreciate there's so many extenuating circumstances that mean that we do have to go back home. And I know, especially during COVID, a lot of us went back home and spent a lot of time with our families. And I'm sure you are not alone with hearing this same kind of, like you say, well-meaning health concerns. But Here's my take on this. Firstly, you mentioned that as a result of these comments, it's kind of, you know, slipping you back into restricting your food intake and therefore you're then having to sneak more food. And to me, that sounds like a slippery slope into a very disordered eating territory. And I would reason with this in the sense that I do not think, this is where it gets frustrating, isn't it? that for you to be in that place with your relationship with food, and that may mean that you're in a smaller body as a result, I don't think that necessarily means that you're healthier if you're in a smaller body with that relationship with food. Because when we're talking about what contributes to our overall health and well-being, we have to think about our mental health and well-being in there. And we have to think about you know, if we're having to deprive ourselves, if we're having to restrict food, and if it's causing us to have a difficult relationship with food, then we have to be aware that the trade, like if we're, if the trade-off for getting a smaller body is a disordered relationship with food, that is not looking after your health and well-being. That is pursuing a certain body at the sacrifice of your mental health. And I think when we're talking about our health and well-being, we have to think of mental health and physical health equally. And I just don't think that the way society views certain body types and the assumptions and biases we have around bodies mean that we actually take mental health into account and really understand the impact 
of our mental health on our overall well-being, the impacts of stress, what that does to our nervous system, you know, and how that can, you know, impact how we physically feel, how that shows up in our bodies, how we then relate to food. Like we all know that you'd never deprive a child of food thinking that for them to be undernourished would be healthy for them. But we do it to ourselves actively as adults when we diet. We do it to ourselves and we're like, yeah, this is like a good thing, but it's incredible. You know, it's incredible what life is like when we're adequately fed, you know, and when we're adequately nourished and how much our bodies and brains and all those internal processes in our body like really positively respond to adequate nourishment. So I want to think about that part. And then I also want to think about your mom's concerns. Are they valid? Now, I get why your mom's saying this. Every trope we know about people in larger bodies and what weight gain means is that we think of people who are immobile, who their weight is the barrier to them doing X, Y, Z when it comes to movement. And You know, there are people in larger bodies who are immobile. There are people in smaller bodies who are immobile. There are people in between who are immobile. We have to be always conscious of that, that there are these things. And we spoke about this in the previous episode with Nicola Salmon in our Fat Positive Fertility episode, that there aren't really any health conditions that are exclusive to fat people. That people across the size spectrum experience all the things that fat people do. There can be higher correlation with those conditions, but we can't exclusively say that this is this is a, a condition that only occurs with people in larger bodies. And so there's the understanding kind of health concern comments, but the way I like to look at it and the way I think about it is very much from a health at every size approach. Now, if you're familiar with this, you might know, but this is a kind of weight inclusive paradigm that really focuses on rather than thinking about weight being the center and the most significant factor behind what contributes to our health. We think about all the other things, you know, movement, nutrition, sleep, lifestyle. And we also recognize that there are so many socioeconomic factors that contribute to our health and well-being that are, you know, lots of things are out of our control and that that plays a role in it too. And a health at every size approach, firstly, has respect for all bodies. Um, And secondly, and I would say I'm really oversimplifying this, by the way, guys, there's there's a lot of research and studies and books done on the health at every size approach. And I'd really recommend you to go and look further into this, but I'm going to really oversimplify it here. But essentially, you think about how we can support your health and well-being without weight having to be the outcome without a weight loss having to be the outcome, should I say. And, you know, you doing certain things, like you potentially moving more, incorporating more strength training in your body and into your, you know, routine or you um, increasing your cardiovascular capacity, eating more colorful fruits and veggies, you know, incorporated in the rest of your kind of overall diet. You know, that may result in you being in a smaller body, but we just don't guarantee it because we don't know. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. But we do know that there are, you know, positive outcomes to moving more. As an example, there's so much research that shows that increased regular movement 
does really help our bodies. And that actually, if you're able to bring more movement in, and I know your mom's concern was around your joints, that if you're able to bring more movement in, but you can build a strong, mobile body that feels well equipped to deal with whatever life throws at you. Now, here's the thing. Stuff is going to happen in our lives. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I think your mom's worrying about something that hasn't actually happened yet. And she actually has no evidence that your joints are impacted by your weight right now. She's worrying about the future. So I think also bear that in mind that she's got a future concern. But a lot of that concern is informed and steeped in the anti-fat bias that is so prevalent in society, in media, in all those things, I would really point you in the direction of Aubrey Gordon. Now, hopefully lots of you listening are like, oh yes, Aubrey is the best. Aubrey Gordon is a writer and most recently has written a book called You Just Need to Lose Weight and other, and like, I think it's 19 other myths about fat people. And she goes through all of these sort of myths around what we think about fat people, what the bias, the common biases that most people hold and debunks them all one by one. I couldn't recommend her book more. I couldn't recommend the podcast maintenance phase more. And I know with a couple of other questions, I'm going to recommend maintenance phase as well, but really just going through the debunking of a lot of these biases is really helpful in understanding that a lot of things we assume as like just straight up facts there is, and like a black and white issue, there are so many shades of gray. And this is one of them where there are so many shades of gray. So I hope that I've somewhat answered your question, but I think going forward, I would say, keep trusting your body, listen to your body. You know it better than your mum knows your body. You know how it feels more. And just think about all the kind of physical and most importantly, mental health supporting things you can do for yourself. And certainly restricting food is not going to be supporting your mental and physical well-being. So I really encourage you, and it's really normal to have these bumps in the road, but I really encourage you to get extra support if you feel that you need it around your relationship with food. And also think about how you can look after your overall well-being with movement, with social activities with friends, with, you know, journaling, therapy, maybe trying to cook more and have more fun with food and make it more of a playful thing. I think these are things we can all do to look after our health and well-being that don't have to revolve around the shape and size of your body. Mum's the Word is a brand new parenting podcast hosted by me, Ashley James. Pregnancy, piles, and all the other problems that come with parenting, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Join me each week on my journey through motherhood as we celebrate the amazing highs as well as the lows. As it's my first time, we'll have celebrities, experts, and hopefully you guys too who will help me figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Find us wherever you got this podcast. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Okay, so the next question is from Monica. I don't know where Monica is from, but Monica, thank you so much for this question. Hi, Tally and the Train Happy Podcast. I wanted to submit a question. I had an eating disorder in my early 20s, and now I'm into my 30s. I've still been controlling food. In the fall of 2022, I discovered intuitive eating and intuitive movement. I have your book. It has changed my life so much for the better, but now I can't seem to motivate myself to work out. I want to on a mental plane because I know it's good for me, but I just can't. I have a sense that I have to regain trust in myself after so many years of pushing myself and never listening to my body. But on the other side, I would really like to work out and to enjoy movement because I also know it's good for my mental state. I do bike to my job and clean the house. So I'm telling myself that I'm not completely sedentary. I also have a job where I'm moving and a little daughter. I miss being proud of my body and feeling strong. Thank you so much in advance, Monica. Monica, this is such, I think a great question. And firstly, um, I just wanna say, thank you for being so open and honest about your struggles with your relationship with food and exercise in your body. Sadly, I think a lot of people can relate. And, you know, I think the most important thing for you right now is recovery and recovering from a very disordered place. And you know what? It feels like it's forever, but this period of rest that you're in where you feel like you can't seem to get going is totally normal. Now, A while ago, I did a solo episode on motivation and I kind of covered this there, but I'm going to just reiterate what I said. So when I work with people, especially on their relationship with movement in particular, and that's what you've highlighted in this question, is that often when we're starting from a place of diet, the diet mentality, diet culture, we find ourselves as you have been in a restrictive place in perhaps an over-exercising place and perhaps quite obsessively moving or exercise has always been linked to food restriction, whatever it may be. It feels only natural and understandable that your body is exhausted and tired. And as the pendulum is swinging in your mind to kind of rebel against, and like now you're understanding why you may have engaged in certain behaviors and how diet culture has impacted your relationship with food and exercise, you naturally swing to what I call the fuck it phase. Now, this fuck it phase is going to last 
however long it's going to last. And the thing with the fuck it phase is we can't rush it. And it's really important to not rush it because here is where we really set the foundation for your relationship with movement going forward. Now, the thing about the fuck it phase is it's temporary. You are not there permanently. You will not feel like you don't want to exercise for the rest of your life. In fact, you're clearly already starting to feel like you want to move. But I would say as you are in a period of recovery, especially that it's really important that you take this time to rest, feel, you know, get extra input and support around this. And, you know, if it is possible for you, I would certainly recommend working with an eating disorder informed dietitian or um, therapist that can help you kind of navigate this time. But in that bucket phase is really where that rest happens. Like I said, so many of us get stuck there and we feel like it's permanent, but it's not. Here's what's happening in that rest phase. Your body is exhausted and it's kind of having had enough. And as you're learning to kind of adequately nourish your body, and perhaps improve your sleep and just rest. Your body is just recuperating. It is naturally just taking kind of a big deep breath and saying like, I need to just recharge my batteries. And I think also where before a lot of people end up in that phase, they've been in a very go, go, go scenario before where they haven't really allowed much rest for their body. Your body, trust me, we can consciously try and bypass so many things at our body, but our body's going to tell us eventually it's going to catch up. It's going to ask for rest. It's going to slow you down, whether you like it or not. Like I said, we can't by- bypass it. We actually have to be okay with rest. So one of the big things I work with people on, especially with their relationship with movement is unconditional permission to rest. And that whole premise and concept that you are allowed to rest no matter what. We need to take the guilt and shame away from rest. We are neutralizing rest so that you then, when you do choose to move, you know that you can always stop, rest, you know, go home, you know, finish early, take extra water breaks, whatever you need to do you are always allowed to rest. You don't need to make an excuse, a reason. You have unconditional permission. And so when you're in that place where you've really kind of set yourself up with that foundation, really unpacked, started to unpack your relationship with food and exercise. And like I said, I really recommend doing that with someone who can support you. You can then start to slowly bring movement back in. Like you said, you're already you're cycling to work and you're cleaning your house and you therefore, like you said, all movement counts. This is my other point. All movement counts and you are doing movement anyway. And I think right now, like, let that be enough. Give yourself a chance to really shift in mindset, in recovery and use this time because this time isn't forever, but this time is really crucial. Use this time to just lean into all the work that needs to be done, okay, around our relationship with food and exercise. But like I said, you're not there forever. And eventually when you're ready, you will be able to slowly bring movement back in. But without the rules, without the restriction, without the guilt, without the shame, without the obsession, and you bring it in on your terms, 
But right now you are in the reconnecting with your body phase. So use this rest time to build trust, connection with your body, to really reconnect with your body. And especially if you have had an eating disorder, like that connection is can be really take time to rebuild and find and, you know, so just give yourself so much grace, so much compassion. Tell yourself that you're doing the best thing for your overall health and well-being. You have a little daughter. This is such an incredible example to her to show her that you are choosing your health and well-being and you are choosing to do the hard inner work and that is incredible. So really be proud of yourself. So Monica, I just send you so much encouragement and anyone else listening in a similar position, I send you so much encouragement um, that know that this isn't forever, but with the right support, you know, this is an important time to really invest in yourself. And I hope you do that. Okay, one more question today. So this question is from No Name, but they say, hi, Train Happy Podcast. I find I have lots of train happy moments. I like yoga, I skip, I spin, I dance, I gym, I walk. I really enjoy being active, but I struggle mentally if I have a train happy week or month, but the scales go up. I really struggle balancing the need to medically for the purpose of BMI and to be taken seriously by the NHS to lose weight at the same time as having a train happy and positive mindset around movement and eating. If my weight creeps up, I slide back into calorie counting. Any tips and advice on the balance? Now this person, I just want to say it's so hard, isn't it? When you are really trying to work on your relationship with movement, with food and on your body and that things like the BMI are holding you back from being able to experience that. And I just, I'm really, once again, sending a ton of compassion and sending that to you because it's really hard. I think the crucial thing with an intuitive eating and an intuitive movement mindset is that we take our weight out of the equation in the sense that we don't make it the focus. We don't check on it. Now, I have to say, I'm not a medical professional. I'm speaking here as a personal trainer, as someone who, you know, has a lot of work and experience in the space, but I, you know, I'm not a medical professional. And I think it's so shit that BMI is being used perhaps as a barrier for you to get the healthcare that you deserve and for you to have access and support and testing and all the things that you deserve because you should be able to have them regardless. Like that is my view. You should be able to have access to all these things regardless. Now, I love that you're finding ways to move that you really enjoy. And I think that's huge. But I also feel frustrated for you that you're that having to keep a track on your weight is holding you back from really kind of leaning into trusting your body and trusting your relationship with food and that it triggers more calorie counting and things like that, which is so tough. And I I sit here speaking from a place of privilege. I haven't experienced this. I do not know what this is like. And I say this just with a lot of care and compassion that to be put in that position must be extremely tough and really, really hard. I think there are some amazing doctors out there who will treat you the patient first before they just see you as a BMI. I think if we're talking about BMI, we know it is so extremely flawed. Um, If you don't know the history of a BMI, once again, 
the kind of oversimplified version, it was created by a Belgian astronomer who only ever thought of it as a use for kind of overall population statistics when thinking about the kind of weight and health correlation of, a, of an overall population. And yet it is used as a individual marker for health. And what I find interesting is that when you like dig into a lot of the research and I would shout out once again, the podcast maintenance phase who really do so much incredible work around this, that when you look into BMI, like so many, so many kind of um, medical institutions will be like, yeah, we know BMI is deeply flawed, um, but we're going to just use it anyway because we don't really have another thing to use. So they just keep on using it. But we know it's deeply flawed because A, it was never, never meant to kind of accurately give us an overview on what your health is based on your height and your weight. That's what it's based on, calculation of your height and your weight. That doesn't tell us, you know, your lifestyle. That doesn't tell us your genetics. That doesn't tell us so many things. But what's interesting as well is the BMI was originally based on white European men. So it doesn't account for a vast majority of the world. You know, we are really have a narrow view of what the BMI is. It's not based on women's bodies. It's not based on bodies of people of color. It's just so frustrating that it seeps into so much of our kind of medical experience when it is so deeply flawed. Listen to the maintenance phase episode on BMI because I will never do BMI justice in the way that they did. Um, Maybe we'll have to get someone on to really just completely debunk BMI on the Train Happy podcast. But I really shout out that podcast and and, um, you'll also get this once again in Aubrey Gordon's book that I spoke about, about how deeply flawed it is. And so it's just frustrating, isn't it? When you feel like, you're, you know, trying to find this positive relationship with movement and stuff and with food when that's kind of looming over your head that then you might not get the access you deserve. But here's the thing, you know, I just encourage you to trust your body, to listen to your body, to find people that can advocate for you in a medical setting. Do you have a friend or loved one who perhaps can kind of come to appointments with you and say, you know, if it wasn't for my size, like how would you treat me? What tests would you give me? What is missing here? What are you kind of holding back from me? Like if I were a thin person, how would you treat this issue that I'm presenting you with? And I think that's a really important factor. Um, But your question mainly was like, how do I balance all of this? And I think it's really tough. You know, I work and you know, when I have written and work with people on intuitive movement, We really work around the premise that we're taking intentional weight loss off the table. Now that is scary because that there's so much wrapped up in that, like we've discussed, but we take it off the table because whilst you're working on your relationship with food and exercise through intuitive eating as well, like we know that having the pursuit of intentional weight loss really undermines so much of the work we are doing on those things. And actually there's a lot of research that suggests that if we take that out of the equation, that we can really support our health and well-being and, you know, better our relationship with food and exercise and our bodies and ourselves. But I appreciate that you also have complete autonomy to do what you feel is best for your body and that you need to make an informed decision as to what you do. 
So my advice is to keep learning, keep doing your research around this topic, keep understanding why things like BMI should be questioned and we shouldn't just take things at face value. You know, I mentioned earlier, we shouldn't just take our beliefs around what certain body size means for our health and well-being at face value because there's a lot of questions to be asked and a lot of things to just explore. So I really just recommend that you just continue to really inform yourself so that when you are making decisions around your health and well-being, you are doing it from the most informed place you can. Because I think historically as well, so often everything's felt like a black and white issue, hasn't it? It's felt like, you know, well, obviously you just eat less, you move more, and that is how we improve our health. And that is a very weight-centric approach. And what a weight-inclusive approach is saying is like, hang on a second, there are so many other factors at play here that while weight can be a factor, it isn't as significant as we may have originally thought. And there's so many other things at play that also need to be explored. And it's really important we do that. So I hope that you continue to to do that, to find people who can support you and to find people that who can advocate for you. And perhaps you can find a really nice doctor who can speak to you. Just a positive experience recently. My sister who has recently had to go to the doctor for various tests and things that would be probably, uh, I think often boiled down to, hmm, you just need to lose weight scenario kind of scenario. She has not once yet come across someone who's told her, so really you just need to go and lose weight. They've really spoken about, you know, it's important to, I won't go into the details of <laughs> of her health conditions but they they have spoken about you know things within her lifestyle that she can um can do and not once has it been centered around weight which is so encouraging and that was with the NHS that was an NHS doctor and she said she felt really validated and seen and you know so there are some really great people out there and I just want to encourage people that there are some really good good people out there um Okay, I think that I have chatted to you enough. I know I've I've said a lot and it's almost half an hour and here we are. Um thank you everyone for sending in your questions. I hope my answers were helpful. Like I said, you know, I'm not the medical professional and I'm not a dietitian and I'm not those things, but I hope I can just point you in the direction when it comes to certain topics of people who are experts in this area who do have a lot of experience of looking into the research and really getting to the crux of the issue um and you know I'll continue to keep getting these guests in I'll continue to keep covering these topics on the podcast um of course I want to hear from you I'd love to do like some Q&A episodes again in the future I think this is really nice way to just yeah chat and interact and just have this more low-key chilled kind of episode so if you do want to get in touch make sure to whatsapp you can send us a text or voice note I have to say for a podcast format guys a voice note is amazing I won't lie if you have a voice note we'd love to hear it quite literally you can message us and voice note us to 75 If you're international, then you need to put a plus four four in front of that. And make sure you're following us on our Instagram page at Train Happy Podcast. You can always message us on there. Um, we love sharing clips of the podcast and just interacting with you on there as well. But I will be back 
next time with a wonderful guest. So have a wonderful week. Keep training happy and I'll speak to you then. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.